Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Hi everyone, I'm Cheryl Butler and you're listening to the Mighty Mommy's Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, which will help make your life as a parent a little bit easier and a lot more fun. Welcome. Today, I have some exciting but bittersweet news to share. After nine wonderful years hosting the Mighty Mommy podcast, I'll be passing the torch to child psychologist Dr. Nanika Kaur who will host the next chapter of the Mighty Mommy show called Project Parenthood. Best of all, you don't need to do a thing to subscribe. It's automatically done for you as a Mighty Mommy listener. Just sit back and enjoy the show. In 2012, I was fortunate to join the Quick and Dirty Tips podcast network as the host of the Mighty Mommy show. For the next nine years, I created over 450 podcast episodes covering nearly every parenting topic possible. We discussed how to handle a defiant toddler, how I raised eight kids without losing my mind, hint, routines, and every episode stemmed from my firm belief that every child is an individual and deserves respect. Today, my kids range from ages 15 through 28, and I am loving my new role as a grandmother to a two-year-old grandson. Yes, being a grandparent is even better than being a mom. So, with a grateful heart, I pass the torch to an incredible new host for an incredible new chapter in the Mighty Mommy Show. Let's give a big welcome to Dr. Nanika Kaur. Nanika, welcome to the Mighty Mommy Podcast. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'd love to. I am a clinical psychologist. I'm a respectful parenting therapist and consultant, and the bulk of my practice is working with parents whose childhood experience and potentially trauma is intruding on their relationship with their kids, and they want to be better as people and as parents. A lot of parents, especially in this day and age, are going to be able to use those services for sure. Well, what made you want to become a psychologist? really is a fascination with parent-child relationships, honestly, and and babies in general, children in general. Um, I saw something on public television that was about a study being done on what babies know and um, the different kinds of things that babies are aware of when they are in their first few months of life. And I was really fascinated by this and became much more interested in babies in general after that and was always looking at them and wondering what was going on with them and 
For a time, I thought I might want to be a photographer or very specifically at parents and children. Like I was really interested in the parent-child relationship. And um, it led me to finally go to grad school and become a psychologist to really study kids more. And how long have you been practicing? I have been in my private practice for three years and I've been seeing clients in therapy for over 10. Excellent. What is your parenting philosophy? Well, it really just starts with the idea that kids are people and we should treat them like that. That kids are not lower on the hierarchy than adults are and that they have needs and feelings and opinions that are every bit as important as any adults and that we should really try to make space for them, make space for their feelings, make space for their emotions, and there can be mutual respect between a parent and a child. And really another main part of it is really intentionally trying not to be harmful to children um, rather than sort of hoping that doesn't happen, um, really trying uh, on purpose not to be hurtful, not to be harmful to kids. What do you feel makes your approach different and Mm -hmm. why does it work? I guess I'll answer that in two parts. So the first part is a lot of parenting, a lot of traditional, I call it mainstream or traditional parenting, relies a lot on behaviorism, the idea that, you know, we can change behavior, reduce the behavior, increase the behavior using rewards and punishment. And the kind of parenting that I advocate for is the kind of parenting that does not use rewards and punishment, but really relies on the relationship itself. And from a foundation of having a relationship where everybody's needs matter, that you create a culture with that child where you don't need to use re- rewards and punishment. We can just have a conversation about, here's what I need, here's what you need, let's figure out how we can all get our needs met. So you were asking me, uh, why does it work? And my first thought was, it depends on what work means. It depends on what you mean by working. And sometimes when parents talk about working, that can mean I want them to be obedient. I want them to do what I say when I say it. And the goals of respectful parenting are are not about obedience um, and control as much as they're about connectedness and uh, working together in collaboration. So if working means, you know, can, you know, can I have a household that has less conflict and more peace in it? Yes, it works. But if you're, the question is, will my children be more obedient? Probably not. You and I share a very similar philosophy. I'm not, well, I don't have a degree in psychology, but as a mom of eight, uh, my kids now range in ages from 15 to 28. I feel like I, I'm in the trenches and I certainly have enough background raising these kids for you know almost 30 years. And I had four children in under three years, basically, because we adopted our first child, and I was really thrown into it quickly. But as time went along, and people used to say to me, oh, you must be losing your mind. How can you possibly, you know, be functioning with that many children? And I, I just looked at them as these incredible little human beings that each had their own individual personalities and strengths and certainly their weaknesses. But when I got to, you know, know each child's personalities and what they were good at and what, what they resonated with, I mean, I thought it was just fascinating that they were all my children because they were all so different. And once we were relaxed with that and we knew we had to just kind of go with the ebb and flow and each kid had their own needs and, and believe me, this was not easy. And now my kids aren't kids anymore. I mean, my youngest is 15. I have a son graduating from high school tonight my number seven child. And, and now I have a two and a half year old grandson. And I just, I love what you're all about. And I think you're going to really resonate with so many of the quick and dirty tips listeners. And you know, that's really great. I think it's 
really wonderful. I think there's a lot of people who don't realize how much you can get to know your kids and how they have these little unique personalities from so young. And there's so much you can learn from them. And so much of how they see the world can inform how you see the world, things that you would not have thought um, or wouldn't have noticed about the world. And you have eight different perspectives that you are drawing from. And that's amazing that you must have gotten so many different influences on your own life from just raising them. And that's so amazing that you were able to get to know them in that way. And I'm hoping that new listeners that come along really learn about taking care of themselves also as a parent, right? That there's so much the kind of parenting that I advocate for, and it sounds like that you do, really takes a lot. Um, it's, it's a lot easier sometimes to give a child a reward or punish them and have something happen really quickly, um, behaviorally. But over time, that maybe doesn't work. And, um, and it's really, in order to not go to those really sort of quick fix things, you really do have to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you're always feeling depleted. Um, you need a lot of bandwidth to be able to listen to all the feelings and do all the collaborating and the negotiating and the finding out what everybody's needs are. And so prioritizing connection over control takes a lot of work. So I think that one of the things that I'm really interested in talking about on the new show is just taking care of yourself as a parent and um, keeping yourself in a well-resourced place so that you can do the difficult job of parenting. Nanika, I love that you just touched on that, and I'm so glad that we're going to talk about that quickly, is the incredible need for prioritizing self-care. I did not learn that in the very early years of parenting. It, it took me, I would say, until like I was my fifth or sixth year of being a mom where I realized, hey, my needs are not just as important, but actually more important to maintain because if I'm no good, they're, they're not going to get what they need. I struggled with that. And when I finally caught my groove with that, it was life-changing. And my number one success with parenting has been consistency. Once I make up my mind that I'm going to do something, no matter what it is, I pledge to be consistent with it. But taking the time every day for me, I go out and walk in the morning. I take 45 minutes to an hour. I get up earlier so that I have time to myself to clear my head. But I, I don't even invite friends to walk with me or that's just my time. And I have found that that has set me up for better days. You're right. Parenting, there's no easy fixes. You know, I've never had a magic bullet. But what I have found is that I wanted to be a mother for so long. And when I finally was a mother, after we adopted our first child, and then I had seven kids in less than 10 years after that, I was so excited that I was given that opportunity. And, and you know, some people might think it's a little Pollyanna-ish, but I never took it for granted. And as exhausting as it is, I felt like these kids were entrusted to me. And by golly, I want to give them everything that I can to let them be the best kids and young adults that they can be. And, you know, now I have adult kids that are married or, you know, out of college or going into college. And I find that is so, it's so rewarding. And it's just, my heart just is so full when I see these adult kids doing their thing because I feel like, you know what, they got their chance when they were at home with me. And that's such a short snippet of time. I sometimes would think, oh my gosh, these kids are going to be kids forever, but they're not. I mean, they're out of school in no time at all. And then they're on to their own careers, their own paths, all of that stuff. And the window of opportunity that we as parents have to be there for them. So I think all of the things that you're going to bring to the table is going to be so, so helpful. 
for all the different families that are going to be listening, not just for parents, but I think you're going to tap into grandparents, um, child caregivers, maybe even people that are in a teaching realm with these kids. I think it's going to be wonderful. Thank you so much for saying that. And, and I'm so interested, actually, as you're talking in what your experience is of being a grandparent after having raised all of those children. Um, like, do you, do you experience it in a different way? Does it feel different? I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I will quickly say this. All the years that we had eight kids and the grandparents used to be like blown away, like, oh, we're having another child. But they always said, oh, grandparenting is so much different than raising your own kids. And I used to just chuckle because I thought, well, you know, that's way down the line for me. But now that I have a two and a half year old grandson, I can tell you, I just love the fact that I'm not rushing off to make a meal or get to the laundry or, um, you know, I just sit there and I'll play blocks for, you know, like, you know, an hour and a half, whatever it is that he wants to do. And, and I'm in that moment with him. I find it, I find I'm much more mindful as a grandparent than I was as a mother. But, you know, when you're in the trenches of parenthood, you've got other things that you have to take care of as far as, you know, meals and carpooling and, you know, sick kids and that kind of thing. Grandparenting, I mean, I, I see my grandson a couple times a week and it's, it's just pure playtime. <laughs> And I, I'm enjoying that. And I, I try to tell my daughter, oh, this is just such precious time, you know, enjoy every second of it because it's going to go by so fast. And, and she even said, my gosh, mom, he's two and a half. How can it be going this quickly? And I said, once he gets into school, it'll go even quicker. So to be mindful of those, just those little interactions when he's handing you the different colors and you realize, you know, he's understanding that this is the greens go together and the the blue and he, you know, things like that. It, that blows my mind. And I, I'm sure when I was doing blocks with my own kids, I don't think I was observing that type of interaction. So to have a new perspective of it, I, I just think kids are, are the future. And what we give them now is going to be what our whole world is going to get later and how they're raised now. I totally agree. And I think what you're saying is is such a good point, that mindfulness that you're talking about, that you're able to have now that you don't have you know, a to-do list a thousand miles long. And that's something that I think part of what I talk about in um, the kind of parenting that I advocate for really prioritizes just a few minutes every day, you know, five minutes where you can really just sit down and do the blocks because not only does it fill your child's cup, but it absolutely fills yours as you're noticing, right? It really, really makes you feel good to be able to connect even just for a little tiny bit of time. Oh, absolutely. I think my kids still talk about that. Even my kids that are not at home anymore, they'll, they'll remember things like just after dinner. We used to just have like this little silly dessert routine that we did after dinner. And it was just basically, it was, it was like five minutes and they'd have a little cup of ice cream or something. But we always, like every kid would get to talk about one like little silly thing that happened to them or, you know, just one key thing that made an impression on them that day, even when they were like four years old you know, they could talk about something that happened in their circle time at preschool, and they still talk about that. So I hope that they pass that along when, when they're raising their kids. I think those little moments can sometimes be the, the big moments when it's all said and done. Nanika, in closing, what do you look forward to the most in your new show, Project Parenthood? Well, I'm looking forward to helping parents with everyday challenges and providing some education around those inner mechanics of some of the struggles that parents have on the day to day and getting the opportunity to have yet another way to nerd out on parenting. I'm just wondering, Cheryl, if you have any advice for me from your experience hosting the show. 
Well, thank you for asking. As the host of the Mighty Mommy podcast for nine and a half years, I can tell you that I have learned something new myself, honestly, every week from the listeners, as well as engaging in the various topics that I've covered throughout the years. From toilet training to handling defiant teens, there's never a dull moment. And there, honestly, if you're open-minded, there's always room to learn something more. I mean, I think that being patient with your kids when they know you are tuned into them. The problem can be the biggest thing or the littlest thing, but that when they really know you are listening and you're there for them, that problem can, you know, diminish by leaps and bounds because they really feel like they have your attention. And I actually got this, got this piece of advice from Oprah when I watched her show before I even had kids. She had a guest on the show and she said, when your child walks into the room, you need to put down, I don't even think at that time we all had cell phones, but put down your phone, put down your book, your magazine. If you're chopping onions for dinner, whatever it is, pick your head up and make eye contact with your child and say, hey, it's great to see you. What's going on today? Or make that connection. And I that stuck with me for all those years. And when I did become a mother and my kids started coming home from school, I did that. And it was the one thing I felt I did really, really well was when my kids were coming in in droves, all eight of them sometimes at once, I would try to just put the, put the stuff down and get my head in the game with them. And they, they knew that. And so when my kids call me from school or, you know, from, you know, some, one of my sons just moved away, got his first apartment, you know, working in Boston. And when they call me on the phone, I try, I even on the phone, I stop what I'm doing and I, I want them to know I'm tuned in and I'm, I'm listening to them. And that has been like almost my little foundation for any, any part of my parenting that I've, I've had to tackle is when I'm in the moment with them. And that helps when things are really bad too, because when you're engaged and you're, you're just kind of, you know, focused and, you know, tuned into what's happening, you can kind of take a, take a breath and not get angry and not fly off the handle and, I love the fact that I took that piece of advice so seriously from the Oprah show all those years ago. And I actually try to do that with anybody I'm working with or anything. I just, I think we're all so scattered and it's so chaotic in this world we live in now and we're coming and going and and juggling so many different pieces of our lives. And that little attention, even if it's just two minutes of connecting, has gone by the wayside. So I hope that my listeners from all these years will take that away is one of the things that I try to impart in a lot of my shows was just that, you know, you really make that time, be consistent. I always talk about catch your kids doing something good. That's so wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad that you had such a wonderful experience of parenting, but also of hosting the show. And that's such a great thing that you were talking about. I really, I believe it was Toni Morrison, who she had on her show, who was saying that, who was talking about, um, you know, let them see your eyes light up when they come into a room. And that has, it's funny that you say that because it sticks with me as well. And I definitely have that clip somewhere and I'm going to send it to you because I saved it (laughs) because yes, I will send it. I will send it. It is amazing. And that's such a great, that's such great advice. And it's so amazing that you're, that even now that you're still, even if they call you, that you're still able to, you know, make that space for them because that space that you make for them, that's the space that they like take with them, that they know that they always have with you. And that's inside of them that, that you gave them. So it's amazing. And I would also encourage you to ask your listeners, you know, to reach out with questions or ideas that they might have for the show. I loved interacting. 
I would get emails every week from our listeners, and it's so much fun to interact with them. I mean, people really will look up to you and, and look for your advice. And if you take that time to give them some feedback and, and, you know, or encourage them to ask, you know, reach out with topics that are really near and dear to them that they would like to see you cover. I know that the listeners will love that as well. And I will be one of your new listeners. So I will be, I will be um, excited to engage and, um, and listen every week as well. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to the new show. And I'm also you know, hoping that I can like tap into some of your advice and your expertise from time to time if I get lost in the weeds. Nanika, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you today. I love that we share such similar parenting philosophies. And I know the Mighty Mommy listeners, as well as myself, are going to enjoy listening to this great new chapter, Project Parenthood. Thanks so much for nine amazing years, everyone. It's been a blast. Until next time, happy parenting. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you lobster mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bottom up, up, up. At participating McDonald's.